place you used to read the Word of God and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. So we're multitasking right now. We're going to give our offering to missions. We're going to uh, put in our connect cards and we're going to find our Bibles at the same time. I don't know, it was probably two months ago on a, I think it was really close, maybe it was more than that, around Easter time. I remember I was, in one of the messages, I was making fun of myself, and if you were here, you might remember that, I was talking about the fact that I uh, had bought my own clothes that I was wearing that day, and I was teasing the fact that, I don't know if you all know this about me, but uh, I'm colored blind. Uh, now, not, I, I know that you, you all not look black and white to me, it's or gray, I, I can see colors, but um, blues and grays and purples and sometimes shades of green and gray, they can just kind of, you know, I can mess it all up. I can put on a blue sock and a black sock and not know that they're two different color socks. And so it's teasing making fun of myself. In fact, that's partly why I asked my wife to help me buy clothes because I am colorblind. And so I was uh, joking, making fun of myself, the fact that on that particular Sunday morning, the clothes I was wearing I had purchased myself. I can't remember the purpose or why I even said that, but I remember making fun of me. And for the next couple weeks afterwards, uh, walking around the office or doing things here, a number of you asked me, hey, did you pick that outfit yourself that I was wearing? Making fun of me, but, which is all good. But you know, in life, um, every day when we get up in the morning, we do all choose what we're gonna wear. And based on what we're facing, that often will affect what we're choosing to wear. If it's a work day, and depending where you're going to work, you might choose a particular outfit. Uh, if you're on vacation, you might wear different clothes than what you wear on a regular day. I found this out. Amy and I were in Hawaii a few weeks ago. We've been to Hawaii many times because that's where my in-laws live, and we were there for our 25th wedding anniversary, just the two of us having a great time. And even though this is not the first time we've been to Hawaii, once again, we packed way too many clothes. Because I forgot the attire for a vacation in Hawaii, at least if you're in the Swanson family, is just really a bathing suit and a t-shirt, and that is it. Because we love the water, and so all, basically two-thirds of my suitcase just stayed under the bed, never touched, because we were in the water 24-7, or at least it felt that way. So whatever you're doing each day, we, the, the, the clothes that we wear obviously are it's partly based on what we're going to be doing. I was looking up this past week online what, uh, the, the, the concept of being dressed for success. And I saw all kinds of books and articles actually written on this topic, that there are people that spend hours studying how to be successful in life based on what you wear to work, people's perception of who you are and what you wear. And the Apostle Paul talks about how we can be dressed for success in life, how, how we can dress ourselves spiritually to have success in life each and every day. And as I've been praying for us at the church, I felt that this message today is really, really important for where we are. So I want to make sure that you listen to the word of God as I read it in just a moment. But I've been hearing just whispers and then sometimes louder than whispers, the grumblings of pain of people in our church, difficult things people are going through. And I believe that part of the solution or the answer or maybe part of the problem some of the situations we're facing as a people are that we're dealing with spiritual issues with natural solutions. The Bible tells us that, and we're going to read in a second, that uh, the enemy we face is not people. And it's not often stuff that we can touch with our own hands. That a lot of the problems that we face in life are spiritual in nature. And we try to fix them with our natural mind or our natural reasoning. And I believe that today's message is really, really critical for many of you in our church. That as we were praying this morning before the service, Melissa and uh, Pastor Chris and I were praying, since Melissa was leading worship, the worship leader always comes to my office before the service, and we just pray for unity and for wisdom and insight as we lead God's people. And as we were praying this morning, the Lord just put on our hearts the fact that there might possibly be many people in our church this morning that are weary in doing good. They're trying and trying and trying, and it feels like they're on a treadmill, not moving forward. 
In that, even though we believe God is good, we know it here, but something's because the circumstances around us doesn't look like he is greater, that he is bigger, <clears throat> excuse me, that he is stronger, we can lose faith. But I believe the solution to that situation, if you're feeling that way, is spiritual indeed, and I believe it's in the scripture that we're gonna read this morning. So if you want to clearly hear God and see God today, I wanna ask you to pray with me right now. The Bible tells us that without the help of the Holy Spirit, we cannot understand the things of God. And so if you wanna understand today what we're about to read, I just ask you to put your hand over your heart because this is the place that God speaks. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna read and we're gonna trust God is gonna speak to this place and give us wisdom and understanding. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the precious gift of your word. Lord, I pray right now in the powerful and perfect name of Jesus Christ that you would illuminate your word to us this morning. That as we read, you would give us discernment and understanding. That you would give us the practical application of what we're hearing and seeing this morning. Give us courage, give us boldness, and help us, God, to be the sons and daughters that you and we want to be. Let us see. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. If you have it now in whatever, either paper like this or electronics like this, let's follow along with me as I read for you this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Say finally. finally. Say it again, finally. Okay, check this out. This is the end of a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And the first five and a half chapters, he, st- he tells, that reminds the church, you're pretty incredible. Reminds us of our security in Christ. Reminds us that we're adopted, chosen by the living God. Reminds us that God has a plan for our lives personally. Reminds us that God has a plan for us corporately as a church. Reminds us in this letter to the church in Ephesus that God's got a plan for our home. He's got a plan for husbands and wives. He's got a plan for sons and daughters, and brothers and sisters. Reminds us that we can be secure in the plan that God has for us. But then in this letter we're reading right here, he says, finally, it's, this is like the, the, um, in the fireworks show, the grand finale. He's saying, hey, this, after all that, finally listen to this. There's some really important things you need to hear. So this is a letter written from the Apostle Paul to a church he loved where uh, there was a, a revival exploded in the city, and at the end of the letter, he's saying, hey, finally, there's something really, really important you need to hear. So when I see things like that in Scripture, I perk up, I listen, and pay careful attention, and we all should too as well. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Today, we're going to talk about being dressed for success, to clothe ourselves spiritually so we can make it through each day. Not just actually make it through each day, but actually thrive each day with all that God has for us as his sons and daughters. Anybody here want to thrive instead of just survive? There's a few of you. The rest of you want to just barely make it. I, I, don't, I want to thrive. I'm not okay with just barely making it. I actually want to thrive in life, and the living God actually wants that for you as well. That's the good news this morning, is that God wants you to thrive in life. But the reality is this, there's someone who is the enemy of your soul who does not want you to thrive. I remind us often what Jesus says 
in John 10.10 about the enemy of our soul. He says this about the enemy of you and me that we cannot see with our own eyes, but we certainly experience all his horrific, horrible, heinous works. He says the enemy of your soul comes to rob, kill, and destroy. That is his aim, to rob, to kill, destroy, to steal from each and every one of you. But then Jesus gives us really good news in John 10.10. He says, but I have come, I have come, Jesus, that you might have life abundant life. He doesn't say, but I have come so you can barely make it through to the end of the day. I have come so you can just scratch and claw and barely survive. No, Jesus basically says, I've come that you might thrive, that you might have life, abundant life. That is God's desire for us as sons and daughters. And he uses the apostle Paul to teach us how we can clothe ourselves daily to thrive in life. To rather than feel like we're all getting our teeth kicked in and we're getting constantly banged up by the enemy, that we actually begin to fight back, take back ground, to take back the things stolen from us, the sons and daughters of the living God. So if you're taking notes, the first thing I want to point out from this passage is this, the weak are not properly dressed. Because the first thing he says to get dressed is this, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter. He knew what he was doing. He was in prison. He, he, at this time when he was writing this letter, Rome rules the earth. And so he's seen his fair share of Roman soldiers. So as he begins to unpack and says, here's how we need to be dressed spiritually, he uses the picture of a Roman soldier. And if you have all the, the armor and all the gear for a Roman soldier, you don't get it if you're weak. The Roman military didn't say, hey, let's find all the puny, skinny, wimpy people and give them really cool armor. Those that are strong get the armor. And so the Apostle Paul, right from the beginning, says this, finally, get strong in God, in his mighty strength. Then we can talk about what you're supposed to put on yourself. And so I want to encourage you to get strong in him. Don't lean on yourself. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. We need to lean on God and not ourselves. Today we sing a song that talked about how our God is greater and stronger and higher, that he is healer. We need to focus on him and that and rely on his strength for us, not our own. The Bible says this, that his power is perfected in our weakness. For when we're weak, he's strong, because that's when God shows up. So don't lose heart if the stuff you're facing right now feels overwhelming. Like, man, I can't do what's in front of me. You're right, you can't. But he can. And so the first thing we must choose to do as his sons and daughters is say, God, I want to be strong. I don't want to get beat up anymore. I don't want to be a wimp. I don't want to be weak. But I know I cannot do this on my own. So I'm going to lean into you, God. I'm going to trust in your strength. I'm going to build myself up in you, Jesus. And you know, the Bible has a, a, a person, not a character, a real person that this a whole lot. His name was David, God's king. And if you read the Psalms, if you're struggling getting strong in God, read the Psalms. So often in the Psalms, we'll see things like this, where David will first in his Psalms admit he's pretty weak. He'll talk about the plight of his situation. I feel the enemies are all around me, God. They're, ha they're hemming me in from the north, south, the east, the west. I'm surrounded. Nobody is with me. No one cares about me. No one honors you. But I remember who you are, God. And he strengthens himself by leaning in, reminding himself of who God is. The weak don't get the armor of God. So it's okay if you've been walking weak in your faith of late. It's just time to stop. It's time to say, God, I want you to strengthen me. It's time to lean into him. It's time for some of you to open up your Bibles and turn to the Psalms and remind yourself that there was a man made just like you, who was a mighty man of God after God's own heart, but also like you faced difficulties. And like you at times begin to, <clears throat> excuse me, mumble and complain and, and, and feel sorry for himself. But in that, then would get his strength in God, would remind himself, oh yeah, but I know who you are, God. And I remember when you used me to lop off Goliath's said, that was you, God, not me. And so I'll remember the days when you did great things. I'll remember you can do it again today. Anybody ever seen God do something good in their life before? Anybody here? Okay, good, a whole bunch of you. So you just need to remind yourself. You need to remember, oh yeah, God, today right now I feel pretty weak. But I remember what you've done in my past, and I know you can do it again. I know what your word says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
So if you did it for me last week, surely you can do it for me today because you're the same. And surely you can do it for me two or three weeks from now or next year. We need to strengthen ourselves in God. Secondly, if you're taking notes, this is so important, we must wear the whole armor of God. Say whole. whole. Say it again, whole. whole. Okay, here's the deal. I believe this for our church right now. There's some of you that are having a real hard time in life. And the issue is this, you're not wearing the whole armor of God. You're wearing part of the armor. Maybe you've got the helmet of salvation. We're talking about the whole armor in a bit, what all the pieces are. But maybe, yeah, I'm secure. I understand that God saved me. But you're not, you're not walking with shoes fitted with peace. Or you're not taking up the sword of the spirit or the shield of faith. And so you're not wearing the whole armor. And so it's really important to second we read all this that you, just, you make a choice right now. God, I want to live in the wholeness of all that you have for me. That I don't want this part of me exposed to the enemy. I want all of me fully covered and prepared for war. Because this is the reality. In a place like Santa Barbara, it's so easy to forget this. Spiritual war is going on 24-7. The enemy of your soul is relentless in its pursuit to ruin you and the church, the bride of Christ. The good news is, God tells us that the gates of hell will not prevail against us, this. We know who won in the past and who's winning again in the end. It is Jesus, not the enemy of our soul. But the war goes on 24-7. And we live in this beautiful place where it physically is really beautiful. We're in a resort community where often we, where, where the, the kind of the spirit of this place can be the sense of entitlement. I deserve and I want and I need to feel comfortable and good and happy all the time. And we forget that there's real war going on all the time. I don't know if you've ever been in a place that's spiritually dark. I have. I'll never forget the first night in Istanbul, Turkey when I was a 19-year-old college student and, and went with InterVarsity on a short-term mission. I'll never forget. I thought, oh, I'm so strong, so full of faith. I remember the first night there. Um, in, a, in an apartment with six other college uh, young men. And um, it was, I don't know, 10.30 at night. We'd had our first meal, and the host there got us our food. And I remember just thinking, how am I ever going to even eat? Because the, I didn't understand the language at all, and we have to figure it out on our own. And so I was kind of freaked out, wondering about that. But I'll never forget being in the apartment, and we're just kind of chilling out. It's our first day. We're really tired from the long journey to Turkey. And then all of a sudden, this loud noise blares in our window, and it's the call to prayer. And I, and I, and I hear this, this, it's in Arabic, calling people to prayer at 11 o'clock at night. We don't open the window, and there's a minaret right there, and then you, you can see. I mean, Istanbul's a city of millions. And just minarets as far as the eye can see, and everyone going to worship a false god. And we're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not in Kansas anymore. I mean, I'm, in, I'm not in America. It's a different place. There's nobody here that my eye can see that knows Jesus. And, and just feeling the spiritual oppression and darkness knowing that just 24-7 that place, people made in God's image, but all believing lies, and the enemy just wreaking havoc in their lives. That, that, it was easy to know there was warfare 24-7 there, because you just felt it. It was tangible. If you're connected to God, you knew you were in a dark place where the enemy was just loving, ripping souls away from heaven and taking them to him. But we live in this place where we forget that. And so we need to remember, we need to wear the whole armor of God because what we face is real and spiritual. If you're taking notes, here's the most important thing. Dress for what you're facing. Dress for what you are facing. Here's what you're facing. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Dress for what you are facing. You face war every single day. It would be like this. If you went to um, you know, Baghdad right now, or somewhere in Afghanistan, places where there are clear enemies of the U.S., where there's lots of, and, and you walked outside in the middle of some of these places, and you had an American flag, and you're you know, American flag swim trunks and your American flag tank top and your flip-flops and just cruise around waving the flag, you'd be pretty foolish. Um, and, and you wouldn't be prepared to face a potential enemy you'd face. As we send soldiers to place like this, places like this in the world, they don't dress like that. They don't come with their squirt guns or their water balloons for a church in the park. They come prepared 
for war, to protect themselves. And there are many of you that are not dressed for what you're facing on a daily basis, that you don't understand that the enemy is just slowly weaving his way into your heart, into your home, wherever he can, and, and it's like you going into battle with a pea shooter or a squirt gun, and you're not prepared for war. You're not properly dressed. You're not properly equipped. We need to dress for what we are facing. There are many, many in this room that have issues in their lives, maybe marital problems, uh, problems with their children, problems with their finances, and you are looking to natural solutions to fix it. You're reading every book for how to be a better parent, how to fix my money, how to fix my marriage, and you're not looking at the spiritual nature of what you're facing. And the Lord is here in his word to remind us today that what you're facing is spiritual, and you need a spiritual solution. There's nothing wrong with how-to books. I'm not saying those are bad or wrong with reading a book on how to be a better spouse or creative dates for you and your wife or fun ways to teach your kids lessons or whatever. Those are all good things. But I believe there are a number of you here today that you're relying way too much on that. You're relying on the wisdom of the world and it's not going to fix your problem. You need to turn fully and completely to Christ. You need to get the right clothes on for what you're facing as his son and daughter. So if you're taking notes, I want to go through the litany, the list of what God says in this word, how we're to dress ourselves every single day. If you have your Bible, you actually look right back at it. It begins in verse 14, and it says this, stand therefore. Say, stand up. up. Say it again, stand stand up. Okay, that's the first thing you got to do. See, I don't know about you, sometimes for me, when life gets overwhelming, I don't want to get out of bed. Anybody else like me? <laughs> Raise your hand. Anybody, anybody like me, don't want to get out of bed sometimes? Yeah, I just would rather just stay in bed and not get up and face what I got to face. But the first thing that the Apostle Paul says is, you've got to stand. He even says again, at the end he says, and then just stand, and once you stand, stand. Make sure you get up. Some of you need to both literally physically, but certainly spiritually, just choose today, you know, I'm going to stand. I'm not going to lie in bed. I'm not going to fall asleep at the wheel, so to speak, with what I'm facing. I'm going to face my stuff. And whatever it is, the stuff in me, the stuff in my home, the stuff in life, I'm going to stand and face it. As we look to all the armament that Paul talks about, notice that all that covers this, the front of who we are. Some of us are turning our backs to our situation. The enemy is just stabbing us again and again and again. We're not facing what we need to face and dealing with it head on, saying, God, help me deal with whatever it is. God, I am deeply, deeply depressed and want to run away from whatever's causing me to depress. And God's just saying, stand. Stand and face it because I am bigger than what you're facing. God, our finances are so crazy, I don't even want to look at them anymore. The debt's piling up so high, I just want to just be, you know, I'd be like an ostrich, put my head in the sand and pretend it's all going away instead of opening up the books and just saying, oh my goodness, God, how did I get here? Some of you are dealing with either mild or extreme um, addictions, things, addictions to pornography, addictions to uh, prescription medication, um, alcohol. You can't go to sleep at night unless you have a few drinks to calm yourself down, and you're not facing the root cause of why are you doing that. And God is just saying, I'm going to be with you, but first make a choice to stand and face whatever it is in front of you. So say it one more time. Stand up. Yeah. You got it. You got to stand up. You can't sleep your problems away. Secondly, you need to put on or the belt of truth. You need to believe the truth. So you're taking notes. First, you've got to stand up. Secondly, we got to believe the truth. Paul, the apostle Paul, talks about the armor. And he talks about the, some of your uh, passages might say the, the loin belt of truth. So literally, in the armament, if you were a Roman soldier, they say, okay, now here's, they give you your pile of stuff. Here's your armor. The first piece you put on was the loin belt. And it was like, like a big belt over the middle of your waist. And If you didn't have that, you're in trouble because all the other pieces were attached to that. There was a spot for your sword. There was a spot for your shield, the breastplate, everything attached to the loin belt. So Paul starts there saying, the place that we need to start first is believing truth. That everything else attaches to that. If we start off your day believing lies, you're in big trouble. If you're, listen, I'm gonna say it again. If you start your day believing lies, you are in big trouble. Because all of it's going to go from there. So if we, if we get in the morning and, oh, I don't want to get out of bed, we choose, okay, I'm going to get out of bed, and man, I'm just one big loser. 
you're probably not going to do very well that day. If you start your day, yeah, you know what, woe is me, no one cares about me, nobody loves me, I'm all alone facing everything in front of me, you're going to have a hard time because that's not the truth. God says, I'll never leave or forsake you. If you wake up in the morning believing, you know what, oh my goodness, the debt is huge, it's never going to weigh, but my pastor said face it, man, that is an ugly amount of debt, let's go on with our day. You're not going to make it. We need to start our day believing, loined, our center in the truth. And so here's something important. We're going to talk about this again in a moment, but we find truth here. This is where we find it. So I want to encourage you to do something that I've talked to a few people these past few weeks to do in their lives. But I think for many of us, we need to start looking at all the lies that we believe and name them all and then find a corresponding truth that will eliminate that lie. That's what we need to do. I think there's many of you here, you need to do that. You need to start thinking about what are you facing that's so difficult in life and think about what are all the lies that you've believed. What are the lies that you are believing about your circumstance? What are the lies that you believe about yourself? What are the lies that you believe about God? What are the lies that you believe about your friends, the family, those that care about you? What are those lies? And name all those lies. And then make a choice to eliminate them by believing the truth. And often, the, well, for sure, the one place we can certainly find truth is here in the Word of God. And so if you're, if you're struggling, I'll just tell you this right now. If there's anyone in this room that is struggling with things they believe about themselves and they can't get out of it, then you can call Karina's office and I will help you find the truth. There's no one else in your life to help you find it in the Word of God. You, you, give me, you email me the list of all the lies and I will give you the truth. Because I spend time in this. But I would encourage you to first ask God, because I, I know he can find it for you. But we need to start putting our armor on first by saying, I'm going to believe the truth. That I am chosen. That I am his son or his daughter. That I am an heir to the throne of Christ. That somehow I am, the, that Jesus makes me the righteousness of God. That I am redeemed, that I'm bought with a price. With a price. That the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from the top of my head to the tips of my toes. That I'm clean. That I'm forgiven. That I am not ugly. That I'm not a mistake. I am made in his image. That he has a plan and a purpose for my life. That I will not always live in the hell that I'm living in today. That I know who won and I'm on his side and he's with me. That I'm not alone. That he's right here with me. That I am not weak because his power is perfected in, what, in my weakness and he'll make me strong. That the joy of the Lord is my strength. That I am victorious in Christ. We need to start by believing the truth. Say it one more time, believe the truth. Believe. Yeah, you got it. You've got to believe the truth. Secondly, you've got to let God cover your heart. You need to let God cover your heart. He says in the armor, the next piece is the breastplate of righteousness. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We need to allow God to cover our heart. We need to believe the truth that Jesus did this incredible thing for us on the cross and that because of what he's done, we can walk as righteous sons and daughters. So we need, to, we need to not only believe it, we need to walk in it. We need to say, God, cover my heart. Make my heart right again. If there, here's a great way to walk and cover our hearts. Some of you in this room are struggling with habitual sin. And a great way to allow God to cover your heart, to protect your heart with a breastplate that covered your heart, is to confess the truth. To say, God, forgive me. I have turned to a well other than you to fulfill my heart's desires or longings or needs. Would you cleanse me? And allow him to cover your heart. Allow the blood of Christ to cover this precious place, your heart, to be cleansed, to be made afresh and anew. Fourthly, besides standing up, believing the truth, and letting God cover your heart, we need to prepare to walk in peace. We need to prepare our hearts, because he says this, to walk in peace. Prepare to walk in peace. Verse 15, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So let me just Rewind real quick and remind you of all the armament. So literally, if you were a Roman soldier in that day, they'd give you this loin belt that would go around here that everything attaches to. Then there'd be this big piece of armor, the, the breastplate, that would cover your heart. We were, if you're going to battle, we are very, very vulnerable. The shoes, which we're talking about now, were um, hard leather covered in metal. 
and the bottom of the shoes had spikes on them, kind of like football or soccer cleats today. They had spikes that went down into the ground so that you could be firm. And then the shoes also had spikes often going out the front and even the back of the shoes. They were used not only to make myself, you know, to be able to stand firm in battle, if it was a rocky terrain, that I've got these spikes that go in the ground so I can stay and swing my sword and beat my enemy, but also in fight, I could use them as a weapon against my enemy. Literally, they had prongs sticking out to fight those around them. God wants us to move forward, to advance in the things of God, and he wants us to be ready to advance God's work of peace in our lives. Every single Sunday just about at this church, when you leave, I pray for the shalom of God to rest upon you. And if you pay attention, I say this every single time. I say, and then God, help us to be a selfless people that do what? Anyone know what I pray every single week? Yeah, good, you're listening. Give it away again and again and again. See, Paul's saying this, you need to be prepared to walk in peace and give that peace away. See, some of you, in many ways, it goes back to that very first thing, truth. You, you need to start believing the truth and proclaiming it for your life. Some of you are like, man, I love coming to church. It feels so peaceful here, but ah, oh, man, I don't want to go home afterwards. You, you need to stop that. You need to believe the truth that what God has for you here, he has for you everywhere. You, you need to believe that God wants peace to reign in your home. So you need to be prepared for it and start living and acting like peace is going to reign in your house. You need to proclaim it over your wife, over your children, over your mind, over your heart, over your soul, over every place the soles of your feet touch. You need to be prepared to give away and walk in the peace of God. I don't know if any of you work in in environments where there's more than just a few employees, but for a while I worked at Fest Parker's Doubletree Resort, a hotel with lots and lots of employees and for a large corporation. And there were often times, because you got to, not, not only are we trying to, uh, to please your direct manager and then the managers above them, but it was a publicly traded company. So you're also trying to please stockholders. So when that begins to happen, you work for a larger company, there would often be directives given to us that for us living in it seemed absurd. And so it, there, it, it, would, it would not be rare in the lunchroom or around the water cooler, so to speak, for there to be lots of grumbling when there was a new change or they brought a new person to tell us how to do the job that we're doing already, but we got to do it a different way, or whatever the, the, you know, the, the politics of the corporate world were. But I, but I can remember, I made a conscious choice when I worked at the Doubletree Resort that I wasn't going to be one that was going to just bring everyone down, because I, I didn't see it being very helpful at all. That if we, we have to do it anyways, right? They're, I mean, the, the, the corporation gives the dictate, the mandate, and so we might not like that we got now 12 more pieces of paperwork to fill out or whatever it is, but the bottom line is it does no good for us around the, the, the lunchroom to just complain and moan. It just brings us all down. And I made a conscious choice that in the work environment, I wanted to bring the peace of God. That I, and, and so I wanted to live that way. I wanted, I wanted to put the arm on every day knowing, regardless of what I face, I want to bring the peace of God. So I was conscious that my presence and my words and my prayers could make a difference everywhere I'm at. The Apostle Paul saying, if you want to be dressed for success, put on shoes, shoes ready to walk daily in the peace of God. It doesn't mean there won't be conflict. There will, there will always be conflict in life. But the peace of God is a supernatural peace that's beyond circumstance and it's beyond human comprehension or understanding. And you can make a choice to get up in the morning and say, God, I'm today going to be an agent of your peace. I want to walk in the fullness of your peace. You can get up and say, Lord, just fill me with your shalom and help me be a giver away of the shalom of God. Shoes ready to give away peace. Say, prepared to walk in peace. Say it again like you mean it. Prepare to walk in peace. peace. Yeah, see, if you're having a hard time at home, you need to stop walking in angst. You need to stop walking in conflict and prepare today that every day I'm doing my best to walk in peace, that I'm going to be a peace agent, a peace deliverer in my home, in my workplace. Wherever it is you're struggling with peace, you need to make a choice right now. God, I want to walk in the fullness of your peace, and I'm making a determination in my mind right now. I'm going to walk in it. I'm being, preparing my heart now when the conflict comes tomorrow at work or the conflict comes with my spouse two days from now, that I'm going to not give conflict more conflict, but rather I'm going to be prepared in my mind and my heart to give away peace or to respond with conflict, not with more conflict, but with the peace of God.
Next, Paul tells us we need to get in faith. Say, get in faith. You got to get in faith. He says this, in all circumstances. In what circumstances? Say it again. All. All, in all circumstances. Every circumstance you face. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. In all circumstances, we need to get in faith. We're going to close today by just being really honest and praying for one another. And I believe for some of us, we need to do this one in particular, that we need to get in faith, that we need to start believing and trusting that God is who he says he is. The songs that we sung to prepare our hearts this morning, that we need to believe the lyrics, those words we sang are real and true. We need to get in faith. And I just want to say this to you. And, I, and at the beginning, I talked about believing truth. If you're struggling in any area of your life, I want you to consciously be aware of how you are speaking. Because the Bible talks a lot about how our words can bring blessing or curse. So if you've got a son or daughter who's just having a real hard time in life, or you're having a hard time with your son or daughter, you need to watch what you say. You not say it every time with your friends. How's it going? Oh my gosh, my son is driving me nuts. Oh, it's, you know, it's same old, it's been four months now and they're just never going to change. You need to stop. You need to get in faith and start talking like you know Jesus. You start talking like you know that God can transform a soul and a person and begin to proclaim who he is. You, you know, I, I love it. This past week, Amy and I went to one of our two or more groups, small groups in our church, and we left really, really encouraged by the things that we heard. It was awesome to hear people just share. They were at, their, at the two or more group we were at, they were all just sharing from their life journals, from their daily reading plan. And it was so encouraging to hear people hear God themselves and then how God was blessing them and, and to bless others. But what I didn't hear, and I was so glad I didn't hear this, was a bunch of moaning and complaining. I didn't hear people say, well, yeah, you know, here's what it says in the reading. It says that God can take care of my finances. And man, I don't know if he'll ever take care of my finances. Or hey, here's what I read. God is awesome. But you know what, man? My life sucks. I didn't hear that kind of stuff. And I know you wouldn't say it that way, but here's how we say it in a small group. We, hey, we're going to pray for each other now. And so the same person that had this amazing, potent journal to share, time for prayer requests, their countenance changes. Whoa, man. Well, you know, it's been five years since we've been happy in our marriage, and I just need someone to pray that finally my husband will change and it will all be good again. That's not faith-filled. I don't I, I know if God even wants to hear that prayer request. I don't know if he's going to respond. There's no faith in that. I want to encourage us to get in faith to begin to proclaim the truth. You all know he's the resurrected king, right? And, and you know that if he had a business card, it would say he puts dead things back to life. That's, that's his business. And so if your marriage is dead, God can bring it back to life. If your finances are dead, God can bring it back to life. If your heart feels dead, God can bring it back to life. You need to get in faith and trust God and begin to pray and speak and read and write as if you know this to be true. And I guarantee you, if you do, your heart will begin to follow. In faith, step out and begin to proclaim it. I'm gonna encourage you today that when you're with friends and loved ones that know some of the difficulties you're facing, smile. When they ask you, why are you smiling? I know all the garbage you're facing. I'm smiling because God is on the throne and he's bigger than everything I'm facing right now and he is gonna bring change. There are better days in front of me because of Jesus. You need to do that and get in faith. And next, we need to trust Christ's work on the cross. Paul talks about the place, the biggest place, the battlefield for all of us is this, in our minds. And he says, you need to put on the helmet of salvation. We need to trust that what he did on the cross actually makes a difference in our lives. And for some of us, you need to simply get up in the morning and remind yourself, oh yeah, I am a son of the living God. I am a daughter of the king. And just simply remind ourselves, put on the helmet of salvation that no matter what you face, wow, God saved me. Friday at the golf tournament that we had, for our seventh annual golf tournament, it's the first year that our golf tournament was all to give all the funds away. 
It started seven years ago because we had flooding issues in the church, as many of you know, and so we are fixing the literal foundations of the church, and so that's why the name was Restoring the Foundations Golf Tournament, RTF, because we had to literally restore the foundations of this place. But now, the tournament is to restore the foundations of people's lives. We give it all away. And so we had people that go to our church, people that don't go to our church. We had uh, a foursome from Bakersfield that found out they were visiting one Sunday, saw the brochure, signed up, and drove yesterday from Bakersfield, or Friday, from Bakersfield to be with us to bless us in this event. So I'm talking to all the guys, and there's some guys that are like hyper-competitive like me, totally into it. Other guys that know, like me, that they're terrible, so they have no chance to win, so they're just there to, to have fun. But there's a whole gamut of guys there. At the very beginning, before we took off to go to the, whatever hole we're going to start the tournament on, uh, I said to all the guys, hey, I want to remind you of what this is all about today. That today, right now, in Burundi, in Eastern Africa, $2 keeps someone's life alive. And that when you're on the golf course and you hit a bad shot and you want to take the club and bend, you know, bend it over your knee and get all upset because you did terrible, I want you to remember the kids in Burundi that that's why we're doing this, that we're there to help make a difference in their lives. It's a change of perspective. It was so funny. I can't remember which group it was. I don't know if it was Rudy, yours, or someone. We were going opposite direction of the golf course. I think it wasn't yours. It wasn't yours. It was, it was Pastor Dave Goss. It was his group. And uh, so they're up on the hill. We're down below. And they, they're waving to us and say, how are you guys doing? They said, we're doing great. Just with every shot, we just say, Burundi. <laughs> <laughs> He said, thanks for the perspective, Pastor. And, and I, actually, I was kind of frustrated at that point. I said, thanks for reminding me, Pastor Dave. Bruni, okay, good. But we need perspective. And, and so sometimes we need to remind ourselves, when life just feels overwhelming, that you, you need to remind yourself of this. What Christ already did for you is nothing short of spectacular. The fact that you know God, the living God, and that he resides in your heart, that is more than enough. E even if the rest of your life, let's just say some of you do have tremendous debt, if you never got out of debt, he's more than enough. He is. E e even if whatever job you have, you absolutely hate, and the, your, the, the coworkers and, and your boss are unkind people, and God never lets you get out of that circumstance, and you work there till the day you die, Jesus is more than enough. We, we're gonna be with him forever and ever and ever. There will be a day where you will never cry ever again. There'll be a day when your body will never experience pain, and when you find that day, it will be forever. It will never come back. We need to wake up every day and remind ourselves, I am saved by the grace of God. And I'm so thankful that he saved me. We need to put life into perspective every day. Paul's just reminding us, hey, when you wake up in the morning, man, the battle that goes on here is insane. The devil's constantly lie, 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 and telling you there's no hope. And you remember the most incredible thing ever. Jesus saved you. And he's really, really good at saving his sons and daughters. You need to put on the helmet of salvation. We need to trust Christ's work on the cross. And lastly, we need to use his word the sword of the Spirit, you use his word. He says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We need to take this thing and we need to use it. When Amy and I shared this with you a few weeks ago, when we were on our vacation for our 25th anniversary, just the two of us, without our kids, without anyone else, we had an incredible 10 days together. It was awesome. But I share with you the best thing about it and the, and the reason why I believe that Amy and I came back more in love than ever from our time away is because we just made a choice every single day we were going to use this. That we were not going to allow a day to go by without this leading our day. It wasn't us being, well, we're the pastors, so we better do this to be an example. It wasn't, well, you know, if we don't, then the church won't go well. It was just, we need this to live. And we had time. And so we got up in the morning, a beautiful place, and Amy would go downstairs to the lanai, and I would be upstairs in my father-in-law's office, both of us looking out just the beautiful vista of, of the beaches of um, western Maui, and I would get out my Bible, and I would read, and I'd spend time to be with him. And then the best thing in the world, we would start our day after being alone with Jesus by sharing what Jesus shared with us, and we just talk. What did God say to you, Amy? Dale, what did God say to you? And we shared it, and it just 
man, there's nothing more intimate and beautiful than sharing with your spouse the, the, the source of life. But we need to use this thing as a weapon that God has given us to push back the works of hell. After spending a lot of time just talking about the importance of this word and watching it in our own lives, we came back. Amy, I talked about the fact that as pastors of this church, there's just lots of people that have need. And people make appointments with us all the time to talk about marriages and personal needs and this, that, and the other. And we, that's what we do. And as, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. But we just talked about more and more. We're asking ourselves the question, are we giving people real help and hope? And if we just talk, we meet with people, we're not giving them any help at all. And so we just made a determination. We've been talking about staff that I'm just not meeting with people unless we're in the word. That, that because this is the only thing that can help. I, I, I can't. I'm not a professional counselor, and even I am, even if I was, I'm not gonna, I can't fix all your problems. But Jesus can, and this is a potent weapon. It's so powerful, and so many of us don't use it. We just, we don't, we're afraid to open it up because we're afraid God's gonna beat us over the head with it, and all he wants to do is set you free. And, and so I wanna encourage you. I think for many people, this is the piece of armor that you've left in the closet, that you don't pick up, you go out each day and you've got the helmet, you got everything, but you have no weapon. And so you're wondering why your belt's starting to fall off because there's less of this in you and so you're starting to forget truth. And if the belt's gone, then all the rest falls off. Or you're somehow holding the belt on, but you're doing this, you're holding your pants up like this, holding your belt on because maybe the belt loops are not there or whatever because you don't have truth in you. And then you can't fight like this. And so the enemy just keeps kicking you and kicking you. And yeah, maybe you can stand a little bit, but you're making no ground, making no headway because you've taken a stance in your life. I've already read it. I don't like the reading plan here, so I'm not gonna do it. I don't. Just read the word of God. Get in his word. This is a huge, huge weapon. And when you use it, it does thwart the works of hell. When, when you know this word and you take it out and you pray it over your life, you actually get real tangible victory. When you pray the word of God, because it's his word, you can be guaranteed you're praying the prayers of heaven, and heaven moves and shakes on your behalf. Why would we not use this? Why, why, would, you, why would anyone be satisfied with, okay, the enemy's pushed me all the way back to here, and I'm just going to survive? And even though I long to be over there, I'm just going to stay here because I, I don't know how to pick this thing up and start wielding it. Wake up. Wake up, church, and grab the word of God. It is so potent and powerful, so rich, and it's the most beautiful love story ever written. It's all in here. God's love for you, his design for your life, his plans and purposes for you. I, I told Pastor Chris this this last week, one of the things I'm just determined to do this, this year moving forward is I just want to meet with people that want to be in the Word of God. So I'm just like, I've got a group of 18 and 19-year-olds on Friday mornings. I'm just reading the Word with them. I'm, we first met at, I think it was 7, and they encouraged me to make it be 8 o'clock instead. So, so, so we're doing that. But I just want to be with people that want to be in the Word because it's the only thing of worth that I can give them. And so I, I've actually talked to one of our leaders and just said, hey, there's a bunch of guys that are new to our church, man, I just want to spend time with them, but I don't want to just talk, because I, I just, I'll say stupid things. I just want to get in the word with them and just help us together to feed on this, because it will change all of us together. So church, just make a choice. And lastly, here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to live this out. The last point Paul says is, after you get dressed with all that stuff, you stand, you believe truth, you, you let God cover your heart, you prepare to walk, giving away peace wherever you go. You get in faith. You take up that shield and say, God, I'm going to believe you. I'm not going to believe the lies of the devil. You begin to trust what God has done for you. You get new perspective. You remember, yeah, I've been saved by God. And after you grab this sword in your hand, you begin to wield it in your life, then he says this, pray and then pray some more. Pray continuously. He, he closes his part by saying this, pray at all times. How many times? all times pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication 
for all the saints. Check this out. He says, this is how you start your day. You get all your armor on, you get the sword, and then you start praying. And you pray for you, but then he says, and then you pray for all the saints. You just start praying for one another. You start remembering that brother, that sister that you met at your two or more group that's hurting, that person you met at church in the park, that neighbor that's really hurting, that person that come to church like every third or fourth week because they're just getting beat up by the devil, and you just start praying for them. We, start, we get people that take our, uh, our connect cards and they pray every day, Monday through Friday. 25 people or so praying, God, oh God, oh God, we need you. Come meet us in this, this hour of need. You pray and then you pray some more. And so this, the, the church is not meant to be a place for a talking head, for one person just to talk, 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 and for you all to listen. It's not supposed to be a place of a lecture. It's supposed to be a place for us to engage with this, the word of God. So here's what we're gonna do for the next five minutes. I'm gonna ask you to get in groups of three or four. And I want you to think, Laura, can you put back all those elements of the, what we're supposed to wear? And I just want you to think about what is one piece of armor you've been forgetting of late? What, what, where, where have you forgotten to put on a piece of armor? What are you struggling to put on every day when you get up in the morning? And just share it in your group of three or four. Each of you share where, where, what's something you need to start putting on a little more. You need to, to remember to put on. And then somebody in that group pray because that's Paul's last instructions. Pray continuously. Pray for each other. Oh, God, help us. Everyone in our group, we want to use this sword. And the truth is, we're not. But we want to, so God, help us to use this sword. Oh, Lord, there are a bunch of us, we just keep believing lies. Lies about ourselves. Lies about our family. Lies about our friends. I'm tired of believing lies. We want to put on the belt of truth because all our stuff's falling off because we're lost from the very beginning of our day by just believing lies of who we are. Lord, I pray that you would help us Teach us right now, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and show us what we're lacking in our daily spiritual wares to walk through our day. We want to dress for victory, for success in life every day. Holy Spirit, show us now and give us the courage to call it what it is and to change. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to remind you something. The Bible says when you expose darkness to light, it becomes as a light. There's something supernatural that God does when we tell the truth on ourselves. He washes that stuff away. So I encourage you now, get in groups of you know, four, three or four, just tell the truth. Say, you know what? My sword is like, I don't even know where it's at. I lost it. And I need to go get a new sword. And don't be ashamed. Know this. That is awesome if you say that because you're exposing what the enemy wants to do in your life to heaven and God changes it and you will change. So go ahead. Get in groups of three or four. I'll give you five minutes. It means each of you got one minute to share, and then someone's got one minute to pray. And then our worship team